Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. Uh, last week we talked about anxiety, and today we're talking about depression because these are things that in our society are rampant, and just because you're a Christian, it doesn't magically go away. Um, Jesus is our great high priest, as we talked about last week. In Hebrews it says that he, he suffered like we all suffer. He went through all this stuff just without sin. And uh, Isaiah 53 says that he was acquainted with grief and sorrow. So he wasn't just all chipper all the time. He felt the, the pain of, of sin and sickness. And we see that even when Lazarus died and he went there to raise him from the dead and seeing everyone crying, it, he was just overcome with emotion. And the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. So just because you know it's going to be all right in, in your head in the end doesn't mean you don't feel the weight of all the things that we go through in life. Um, we're going to kind of go a different path before we get to the depression stuff, and it'll all make sense in the end. Um, but, but in John 15, Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. Now, vines grow grapes, and, uh, which can be obviously eaten and, and used to make wine. Uh, Jesus used wine to represent his new covenant when he came and also to represent his new move of the Holy Spirit. And it is no accident that when you read in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, the people mocking were like, they're all filled with new wine. And what they didn't realize is they were prophesying and speaking truth, just like when Caiaphas said it's better that one man die uh, than the whole nation should perish. And he didn't realize he was giving out a word from the Lord either, as, as uh, the Bible makes clear. So Jesus was the person sent to die, and God was pouring out new wine. It just wasn't physically, it was spiritually. Um, so God desires for us to bear fruit, and what that means is he's looking for good things in all of our lives. Grapes are delicious. I love eating grapes. They're so good. Uh, the problem with us as Americans is that we don't grow our food, so none of us are very familiar with like the process. We just go to a store and pick it out. And I work in the food industry, and I don't think about the, the fields of you know, lettuce and all these things and the apple trees, and I just go into the walk-in and grab an apple if I need it. You know? So we're so removed from the process of growing food, and, and God put his being into nature and, and his order. So... Uh, he orchestrated all the feasts of Israel around harvest time. So Passover is for the barley harvest, and Feast of Weeks is for the wheat harvest, and uh, Tabernacles in the fall is for the wine harvest. So God actually set up his holy days to go with food because he knows that food is what gives us all life, and he's putting his nature and we sometimes we think we got to get removed from nature to be godly but God's all inclusive it's all part of his um, his beauty and so um, just to take us through like what a regular vine goes through through in the year I, I put some slides up here so the first is uh, what's called bud burst which is in March April and this is when you start to see little green things start to appear on your vine and then second, you've got what's called early shoot and leaf growth, and that's March through May. And then third, you've got flowering and fruit sets, you know, starting to come up, and that's May and June. 
I mean, these are like weeks and weeks and weeks, and you're just seeing small changes. And then uh, verasion and berry ripening. So that's a term for verasions when it goes from green grapes to uh, red grapes and the color changes. And that goes uh, from July through September. And then you have the harvest when you get to take off the grapes. And that is in the month of September and October. And then last is the winter dormancy. And that's December through March. Um, a winery only makes wine once a year. That's why on a wine bottle, you'll only see like a year on it, you know, that goes by a year because it's, it takes a whole year to make a batch of wine. And a little disclosure and disclaimers, we talk about wine and alcohol and the church. It's one of those things that's kind of like a, some people are like, yeah, you know, we're, we have this freedom and, you know, this is part of the Reformation and we can all drink as much as we want. And then other people take verses out of the Bible and they say, no, you can't drink at all. And so what, what's the answer? And I think it's just healthy to know that from a biblical standard, the Bible both condemns and approves of alcohol. It's something that it praises is to bring joy and marry the heart. The first uh, miracle that Jesus did was turning water into wine. And it wasn't like it was wine. I mean, the guys were like drinking and they're like, wow, you saved the good stuff for the end, you know? So it wasn't like grape juice. So I just want to say as a church, like where, where do I stand on this stuff? And what I would say is that uh, when it comes to drinking, if you're of legal age, I would just say, you got to do what God tells you and follow the Holy Spirit. Um, I would really lean on the side of it's better not to drink than to drink. Uh, I don't know very many people who ruin their lives by not drinking, but I know a lot of people who ruin their lives by drinking. So uh, it's like fire. Fire can, can be good if it's controlled in a small little area, but man, it can kill a forest, right, really easily. So when it comes to drinking, um, do what the Holy Spirit tells you. Um, so now if Jesus said we are the branches of the vine, we too will go through seasons, so we will not always be blossoming and, you know, fruit doesn't come out all the time. It goes through seasons. And unfortunately, it is in our season of winter when we are in the most danger of falling into depression. Because winter, think about it, like the days get shorter, there's less light, it's cold, the conditions are harsh. God put that into nature because your life's going to go through that. If you haven't hit a hard winter in your life yet, don't worry, it's coming. So I'm giving you the, the proper things to, to get through that season. Um, pruning, for you guys who don't know, uh, is a term for when you just cut off parts of a tree or a branch or whatever. And do you know when they prune uh, vineyards? They prune them in the winter. So things are already going bad and then things are getting cut off. So a lot of times in your life, if you're going through a hard time, you also might be suffering from loss. And some things that can cause depression and is the loss of health, the loss of career or finances, the loss of loved ones, loss of dreams, and probably the worst of all, uh, worst of all is the loss of faith. And a lot of times when people go through really hard times, they lose their faith in God because things didn't go according to their plan. And that's the parable of the seeds, the short, you know, the shallow soil. So the sun came out and it was really hot and they gave up. We don't want to give up. Um, according to the Biblical Counseling Center, there are four stages of depression. So stage one is difficult circumstances lead to disappointment and discouragement. 
things aren't going according to plan. This is normal for everyone. We all go through it. Like you have hopes of something going on, it didn't work out, or you know, uh, someone passed away, or you lost a bunch of money, whatever it is, you know, everyone goes through disappointment. But then stage two is dis disappointment turns to discontentment. So now you're like bummed. You're, you're just like, okay, this is kind of, you're wrestling with it. And this is like the crucial point of where you go with this because discontentment can cause you to go and seek God and say, God, I need help. Or discontentment can, can push you away from God. And then stage three is discontentment turns to despair. So if your winter is long, despair may set in. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if you're just waiting and waiting and things aren't getting better, you might go into despair. At this stage, we may question God's love and care for us. If God loves me, why is he allowing all this pain and suffering? I thought God wants to bless me. You know, these health and wealth, you know, God wants you to drive a Rolls Royce and he's going to give you all this money and all that stuff. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, oh, I thought God wanted to bless me. What's going on, right? So if, if things aren't going according to plan and despair sets in, um, this is dangerous because this is when we can get into what's called idol worship. And we don't think of idol worship in the modern day because we don't, you know, unless you have a Buddha statue in your backyard that you bow down to, most of us don't, like, praise idols. Um, but the idols in our life are things that we go to for comfort instead of God. So things like relationships, substances, food, uh, sex, entertainment, all these things that people will seek out to bring them uh, comfort instead of God. In this stage, you may struggle to do things that you want to do. So people who are in despair, they, they struggle getting out of bed or combing their hair or, you know, coming to church or, I mean, just basic things. It's like, oh, what's the point? You know, it's just kind of, uh, the, the, the giving up, right? And that is really dangerous because once you're there, you can lead to destruction. And so stage four, which is at the bottom, is... In this stage, a person loses faith that things will ever change, and they give up hope. Things are never going to change. What, who cares? God doesn't love me. My life's never going to get better. And in that pain, what do people do? They seek things to make them feel alive. They want to feel like they have control. So a lot of times, someone who, who has an adulterous affair, it's, they've gone through a season of depression, and they're just looking for something to make them feel alive. Or people can isolate, which is really bad. I don't want to be around other people. I just want to be alone. Uh, substance abuse is a huge aspect of this. So it's like, go to the pill or the bottle. And then the worst possible thing is that uh, they, they believe the lie that the world would be better without me, and I should just kill myself, and it'll be better. And so that's the worst possible scenario for despair. Um, I personally, if I can just be honest with you guys, so when, when we talked about anxiety last week, anxiety is not something that I struggle with. I'm not an anxious person. I mean, I get stressed out like anyone when things are like bad, but I've never suffered from anxiety like my daughter has. But depression is something that has for me a couple times in my life where like, man, I, I lost hope. And, and, and one of those times was you know, when I grew up, everyone's got these dreams of what their life's going to look like and how it's going to go. And so, you know, my dream as a teenager was to do music and preach the gospel was like what I thought, like, I'm going to, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So I did, instead of going to college and the traditional route of getting, you know, a career, a degree in a certain area, I went and joined a Christian band and we toured the world and we told people about Jesus. And, and then I did a couple different bands. 
And then that came to an end in the early 2000s, and at the time, I was delivering pizzas. And so, because you can deliver pizzas in between tours, there's always drivers who need their shifts covered. And I was like, oh, that's the best job, because you don't even have to be on the schedule, you can work so much. Luke works for me, he's not even on the schedule. The guy works like five days a week just picking up shifts, because there's always someone who has a really important party to go to and needs their shift covered, right? Uh, pizza dudes. So. Um, I was already a pizza delivery driver because it was a great job in between tours and then all of a sudden I'm out of this band and, and me and Vori had been married a couple years and we don't have any kids yet and, and it's like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I was like, well, I think I want to, I think God's calling me to do music still so I'm going to give it one more shot and I'm going to try and form another band and, and do this. And I, and I had a full-on moment with God where I was like, if this is where you want me to go, like, I need to hear from you. And I went to church that Sunday um, at Calvary Chapel when it was at Poinsettia. And Mark never does this, where he called me out in the middle of the service by name and pointed at me to use me in the story like I just did with Luke. And it was like, and confirmed my question with God that that's what the point that I was supposed to go. So like, I guess God wants me to do the band stuff and I'll keep going. So all of a sudden, and I'm gonna do that and then and then a job opening comes available at my work, and they're like, we need a manager. And I was like, oh, okay. And I talked to Vori, and she's like, oh, I look good on your resume. And I'm like, okay, well, how, what? so I get into management. At the time, it was a 100-person restaurant. I was 26 years old. The GM got fired, and nobody wanted to be the GM. And I was like, I guess I'll do it, and didn't know what I was getting into. And so with that came all the stresses of a restaurant, problems, and angry customers, and Restaurant life is just crazy. I highly recommend you stay in it just for a short amount of time and then get out as quickly as you can. Um, so, so then I'm just doing the thing, but I'm trying to do a band, and then, and then we get pregnant, and I, and I have my daughter, Bella, and it's like, okay, and I'm waiting for this, this you know, thing to happen, and then we had kind of a, a season of loss, right? And, and, and we're going through hard times, and then we lost my son, and um, my mother-in-law died of pancreatic cancer, and one of my best friends died in a car accident, and my parents got divorced, and all these things started happening where it's like all this kind of pruning loss was going on in my life. And it's like, oh, this is really tough. And then, but I always had this idea that I was gonna get out. And so when that season for me of this winter, it got prolonged, and the years would go on and on, and I'm like, I gotta get out of the restaurant industry. And I had all these different things. I tried to do a reality TV show. I mean, we were having meetings with like MTV and big, I mean, it was like so close to happening, and it didn't happen. And so when the band stuff kind of came to an end, I'm like, I gotta get out of the restaurant industry. I'm an introvert, I'm quiet, I'm creative, and I got just angry moms yelling at me all the time. Like, I gotta get out of this. So you just deal with damage control all, of the, all, all of the time. So when I was looking to get out, I, I, got a, I don't have this career, I didn't get a degree, right? So I'm, I'm trying to find a way out. So I was like, oh, I can do music. So I tried doing background music, and that was really tough because I'm working 55-hour weeks at work and I've got uh, you know, kids and we had our second uh, kid, or our third, uh, Ezekiel, uh, my second son, Ezekiel, and so he, taking care of him and he's young. And meantime, in my own life, like I don't, I'm in a place where I don't want to be at. And I've got all this loss and destruction and, and, and the restaurant job is really tough because you work nights and weekends. So like regular time when people go do stuff, I can't go do it. Like, I've never been able to go to my son or my daughter's soccer games. They're always on Saturdays. I work a double on Saturday, every Saturday. So, like, regular dad stuff, I just can't be a part of. So, it's, I always felt like, 
this loss of like, I don't even have a regular working lifestyle. I have like an abnormal lifestyle where I'm getting home at sometimes one or two in the morning back in Encinitas, and now I still get home pretty late. And so I'm losing hope, and I'm going through marital problems and all this different stuff. And then, and then I just got to a point where I had lost hope. I honestly had lost hope. And I'm like, things are never going to get better. God forgot about me. I guess he doesn't want me in ministry. Music's not working. And I tried getting into engineering, and everything's taking a long time. And years would just click off and click off and click off. And I just had the sense of, like, depression, where I didn't want to get out of bed. And I was miserable. And what's so dangerous about that is that is when Satan can tempt you with evil and you'll, you'll take the hook, right? And I remember finally coming to the end where I was like, I don't even know if I want to be married anymore. Like, this life's just miserable. And I, and I lost hope. And thankfully, that drove me to counseling, right? Where we, we opened up all these layers of problems and got to the heart of it. This is before ministry calling to be a pastor. And I spent probably five years building up a studio and all my extra money building the studio and I'm ready to become a musical mix engineer. And literally like the week I was gonna start like launching my career, I caught a virus that killed all the nerves in my right ear. And so I just snip, there's the pruning, right? Like, oh, there's this fruitful branch, like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And it's like snip and I was just like, oh, and it just took me back to all this loss. And I remember after that, I would just go home after work and I would just lay in bed like, what's the point? I just, it was the same thing. But at this point in my life, I knew that God was for me, not against me. And I had hope. I hadn't lost hope at this time because this is post-counseling. But I share that story with you because when you're in a season of winter and things get prolonged, it's really easy to lose hope. Now, that's the world's eyes, right? Like, so I'm seeing like, oh, my buddy over here, he's a paid musician and making a ton of money. And this friend over there, they've got this job and they're doing really well. And all I'm seeing with worldly eyes how it seems like everyone I know is doing awesome and I'm not. And, and so I would get bummed. And, and it's the whole compare and despair thing, right? But that's the world's eyes. And so how do we fight depression? Well, first, we, we need to understand what is actually going on, and it's perspective, and this will change the whole way you look at stuff. So we're going to read in John 15, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, cuts things off that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." Do you know that Christianity is the only religion worldview that celebrates pain and suffering? Why? Right? Why do we celebrate? Well, we just read it. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, the Father, prunes that it may bear more fruit. Do you know that if you leave a vine by itself and you just plant it and you leave it, 
if you don't prune it, if you don't cut things, it will not grow as much fruit. So the pain of our lives has a purpose, that God is not just torturing you because he wants to be mean. He's using this stuff to mold you, to shape you. He's, it's like the line in Lord of the Rings, I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm trying to help you. It's for our benefit that he's taking us through all this stuff. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters? Adding daughters, but it's sons is a general term like guys. So my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Got to hang on. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Can I get an amen? But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you got to be trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. So what he's saying is, God doesn't love me. All this stuff's going bad. And he's like, stand up, raise up your head and understand that the God of the universe is on your side and wants the best for you. And everything you're going through is to help you in the end if you will not give up. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14. The Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. God is not minimizing how tough life is. With its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, why? That he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. The end result is good, but you can't give up. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So how do we respond to depression? So if you're going through a period of depression, whether it's now or in the future, like how do you respond? I'm going to go back to John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So think about this. The branch is attached to the vine and it's in the middle of winter. And it's getting pruned and it's harsh and the days are short and it's cold and it's miserable. 
And the, the instinct is like, I just give up. And, and as Christians, we can walk away from God and say like, oh, I'm just going to go get involved in this or Medicaid or whatever it is. And if you leave God, you're not going to see the result of the whole purpose of all this. Imagine if Moses being so depressed after he had to run away from Egypt and he's in the desert and it's been 40 years and he's just like, man, my life is nothing. I'm just going to kill myself. And he just throws himself off a cliff. We would never have seen the greatest miracles this earth has ever seen as far as like, I mean, three million people walking through the Red Sea is like, wait, what? I mean, that was so powerful that for generations, people feared God based on that miracle. So we can't give up in those times of suffering or we won't see the spring that will eventually come because in a harvest cycle, it goes through the winter, but eventually you get back to the beginning where you start to see green things coming back up and you'll start to see fruit in your life. You know, Galatians 5 says, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is long suffering. You don't have to look that word up. You suffer for a long time. And that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like perseverance is a word and our get it instantly ordered it online at my door two days. Like we don't think about like, oh, God might have me suffer for a long time because he's got a purpose to it. Right. The purpose in the pain. I it's so funny because now that I'm got the call to pastor at church, I laugh because I'm like, oh, of course you had me in a restaurant because it's all these different people and personalities and learning what people, the real world is going through and they're all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. But when I, when, when I didn't understand what all the suffering was for, for all those years being in the restaurant industry, I'm like, I, I didn't know. And it's interesting because as I was preparing for this sermon this week, God had somebody come into my work who's an old friend and I hadn't seen her in probably like 15, 20 years. And she didn't mean to, um, but she goes, she, in so many words, she basically said, what went wrong in your life that you're still here? <laughs> and I was, I, I said, uh, you know, I just was polite and, and, um, and it was one of those moments and I went home and I still, at this place that, caused me depression and hopelessness, I don't know, six, seven years ago, guess what? I still work there. So I'm still triggered by this stuff because on Saturday, my son had a play and Vori's not here because she's doing a wedding in Santa Barbara and I had to work a double. So he had this, I couldn't even go to it, you know, and then we're struggling to find a ride for him and all this different stuff. And I just get so frustrated at like being in this industry and it caused me to remember all those years of despair. And I remember, and I got home on, on, I think I was on Friday or something, and I just, it's like, ah. And it was like God was used this circumstance to remind me how easy it is to look through worldly eyes and think like how men think. But, but one of my favorite things is in, I talk about this movie all the time, is in The Prince of Egypt, which is this animated thing about Moses, after he comes out of Egypt and he's like, uh, God doesn't care about me. And, and, and Jethro sings this song called Through Heaven's Eyes. He says, you can't look at your life through man's eyes. You got to look at your life through heaven's eyes. Because in heaven's eyes, Moses didn't see that he would be such a powerful prophet of God that God himself had to bury him so that they wouldn't go worship at his grave. And 
when we look at our life through heaven's eyes, we see that God can, I mean, think about Jesus coming here as the Messiah of the world and the Savior of the world, and he was born in a dirty manger surrounded by I mean, God is so into taking the smallest things and making them the most glorious. So as insignificant as you might feel your life is or as little as you think God cares about you, the point of this is perspective. Because if you see in your life when things aren't going well, that God can use all of it, even the bad stuff for his glory, it gives you hope not to give up. You can't give up. And I'm going to end with uh, the lyrics of one of the songs we, we sing occasionally in here, and it's from Hillsong. It's called New Wine. And it says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you in your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. So the point of all the suffering is that God is molding us. He's shaping us. Guess what? In all those years where I was frustrated, he was taking my pride from way up to like just to where I'm like, I, uncle, like, God, I'll do whatever you say, right? And I didn't have that. So I look back at who I was as a, a very ambitious but dumb young man at 26. And what God has taught me through all these years, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And, and so as you guys go out into your difficult situations and your tough relationships and your, and your times where you're like, I want to give up, uh, don't give up. That's the number one thing I want you guys to take away from today's message is abide. What, what does a kid do when he abides with his parents? He, he, he lives in the house. He has dinner with his parents. He sleeps in a room in their house, right? Like it's that whole concept of like when you abide with God, you live with him. So you stay, you hang out with him, you talk to him, you pray to him, you, you read his Bible. And for me, my favorite thing to do is when I'm stressed out, come home and I've had a bad day is rather than turn on the TV, which is so much easier is to go get in my room and get on my knees and just silently pray before God and, and just be in his presence. And it's magic. It's like when you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, all the madness just melts away and you're like, it's going to be all good. And one of my favorite visions I had of the Lord was I was in a time where I was just like so frantic of all this pain and suffering all around me and death and destruction. And I got this picture of Jesus taking my head and pulling me to his eyes and just saying, don't take your eyes off my eyes. Focus on me. It's going to be good. You're going to be all right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And even though we don't understand it, just like Psalm 1830 says, your way is perfect. You take suffering and pain and tragedy just like you take the winter and all the harshness to grow our roots deep. And you cut things from our lives, God, that's so painful, but it's so that we can bear more fruit. 
For your name is honored, Father, when we bear fruit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would renew our strength, that you would encourage us, give us a perspective of the big picture. Let us all reach the, the finish line and look at each other when we get to heaven and say, we didn't give up. There's no quitters in heaven, only those who persevere. So Father, grant us grace, grant us forgiveness, mercy, heal our wounds, cover our sins, raise us up so that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today, and may his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time, 